Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. How are you guys doing? <laughs> you guys doing good? I'm excited about the message this morning. Uh, some messages I'm more excited than others, I guess. <laughs> but I'm excited about this one. Um, the, the Lord has really been kind of breaking open some revelation for me. And um, again, I was nerding out. So buckle up because we're going to nerd out a little bit this morning. Um, but it's really good. Um, I think sometimes in, um, in our faith and in Christianity, um, we can start to give the enemy way too much credit. Um, we, we want to have our spiritual eyes open. We don't want to be ignorant that there is a spiritual realm and that the enemy exists. And of course he hates us and stuff like that. But sometimes we can give him more credit than, you know, what he's actually doing, um, in our lives. And so I couldn't really think of a title for the message. Like the best I could come up with is fear. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> That's like the best thing I could think of. Um, another, another way to think of it is, um, how to overcome fear, um, how to fear in the right way. Um, I couldn't think of a title. So, Jesus, <laughs> we thank you, Lord, that you are awesome, that you are good, and we just welcome your presence here, Father. I thank you that you're already here. We welcome right now the spirit of revelation and the spirit of truth right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we don't want to just come and learn and learn and learn things and not receive um, revelation from you. So we're asking for the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to be upon each and every one of us this morning, God. And I just thank you, Father, for the things that you're about to unlock for us, Lord Jesus, um, that you would unbind minds, um, that you would reframe our thinking, and that you would open up our spiritual eyes to see what you want us to see. And we just thank you so much for it, Lord. I ask for your anointing above all things. God, without your anointing, it's all worthless. So we ask for your anointing to come and just be so present in this place. And we just look to you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So um, let's talk about fear. <laughs> what is fear? Um, there are some scriptures that say, don't fear, don't fear. You hear that a lot. You hear Jesus say that. You hear angels show up, and the first thing they say is, don't fear. It's like, hey, this giant massive angel shows up out of nowhere, and they're like, don't fear. It's like, well, then don't show up out of nowhere like that. <laughs> you know, that's kind of freaky, right? But the first thing they say is, don't fear. So we hear scriptures that say, don't fear. But then we also hear scriptures that say, fear God, fear your master, um, Fear came and then amazing things happened. And so this was something that I was processing with the Lord. And I'm like, okay, what, what is fear? It can't be that fear is okay, but then fear is not okay. Like God's not confused. Amen? Amen. And I'm not going to fear that the microphone's going to stop working. <laughs> um, here's what we're not talking about. Okay, when I'm talking about fear this morning, we are not talking about 2 Timothy 1.7. Uh, we have that for the screens, I believe. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and discipline, or some translations say a sound mind. So that is actually not the fear that we're talking about this morning. That fear in the Greek is called delia, D-E-I-L-I-A. Um, and that word means timidity, 
fearfulness and cowardice, okay? So that is actually not the fear that we're talking about. That word occurs only one time in only one verse, and it's that verse, okay? And the context of that kind of fear is in the context of, hey, stir up the gifts inside of you. Like, don't be afraid to step out and witness. Don't be afraid to step out and prophesy. Stir up those gifts, and don't shrink back cowardly, Okay, don't be timid. Don't be intimidated. Um, that's what that word is talking about. But more often, well, the, o- the only other word that's used for fear that's used way, way more is um, the word phobeo or phobos. Okay, um, it, that's where we get the word phobia. Okay, so it's like fear of certain things. Okay, um, the, the definition of that Greek word is to fear, to be afraid, to be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm, struck with amazement, to hesitate to do something for fear of harm, also to reverence, to venerate, to treat with deference or reverential obedience. Okay, so that is the word that we see all throughout the New Testament used in positive ways and negative ways. So it's like, what does that mean? What is fear? Matthew 10, 28 says, fear not those who kill the body, but fear God who can destroy the soul. So it says, don't phobos people, but phobos God, okay? Uh, Matthew 10, 31 says, um, don't phobos, look at the sparrows and how God provides for them, okay? Um, Matthew 28, 8 says, they departed with phobos and joy and went and told the disciples. That was when they encountered Jesus alive and they were filled with fear and joy. Okay, fear and joy. Luke 7, 16 says, fear came on them all and they worshiped. Hmm, (laughs) that sounds like a good kind of fear, okay? And it's Phobos. So Phobos came on them and they all worshiped, okay? So some fear causes people to worship and draw near and some fear causes them to actually depart from the Lord. And it's all called Phobos, okay? Acts 2, 43 Fear came upon them, and many signs and wonders came. Fear came upon them, and many signs and wonders came. So fear can't be all bad. Acts 9.31. Then had the churches uh, rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Okay, so again, they're walking in fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it's, they're being multiplied. It's like signs and wonders are taking place, okay? So is God confused? Not at all. Of course not. <laughs> okay, now here's the truth. The devil does not create things. He is not creative, okay? Um, what he does is he distorts what has already been created. He distorts truth, okay? So he didn't create fear, he didn't create fear. So we are giving him way too much credit. Now, can he put his finger on it and empower it with something demonic? Sure. But he didn't create fear. Fear just gets hijacked by the devil and we give him way too much credit. So here's what fear really is, what phobos really is. Again, we're not talking about timidity and cowardice. We're talking about phobos, okay? Um, Fear attributes power to things. Fear attributes power to things, okay? That's, um, I love, that's uh, Bob Hamp's uh, definition of that word. Fear attributes power to things. So how many of you know, if I stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon 
I might experience a little fear, right? But why am I experiencing fear? Is it because the devil is messing with my head? (laughs) No, it's because I'm attributing power to the fact that I'm standing a mile high up and if I don't respect and fear and attribute power to how high up I am, I could die. Make sense? Okay. There are some things that we do want to attribute power to. My son, Evan, is two years old, and um, he had a period of about two weeks where it was like nonstop giant goose eggs on his head. Like there was one, he was like looking like a unicorn, and he got another one over here. And it's just like he was like climbing up in his high chair and falling and just like face plant in the tile and like bruises all over. And I'm like, I can't take this kid anywhere. People are going to think that I'm hurting him or something, you know, but he was just getting hurt over and over and over again because he just didn't understand. It's like, he's learning how to climb and he's having fun and he doesn't understand yet. And so I actually started praying for him to have a healthy fear of heights. Okay, I'm like, can, can you please, Lord, give him understanding that he can get hurt so that he doesn't stretch himself beyond what he can handle? Does this make sense? So I want him to learn to attribute power to heights. Yes? Okay? <laughs> it's like the room is like, this might be heresy. I don't know. Okay. I want him to learn to attribute power to a moving vehicle going down the street. Right? At some point, he needs to learn to attribute power to that. Okay? Fear in its purest form is akin to wisdom. Okay? Fear in its purest form that the devil did not create is akin to wisdom. In fact, fear in its purest form is the beginning of wisdom. And it's funny, Joseph quoted that with the children this morning, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay? So the highest level of wisdom there is, is when you attribute the most power to God. Does that make sense? Okay. It's okay to attribute power to other things. It's okay for me to attribute power to the semi-truck speeding down the highway, as long as I'm attributing more power to God. In other words, as long as my fear of God trumps any other type of fear that I'm having, I don't need to worry about, oh, the enemy's coming and messing with me. Does this make sense? (laughs) Like some are yes, I don't know, okay? So fear of God, fear of God means that you're attributing power to God. It doesn't mean you're afraid and you're gonna run away from him. Some people respond in that kind of fear with the Lord, but this is a type of fear that causes us to run toward him. He has so much power. I love Levi's illustration. He's like, he's like, you look at this giant lion and he's roaring and he has huge claws and huge teeth and this giant mane and he's just majestic and it could cause you to fear and run away. Okay, but if that lion is your daddy, (laughs) then the fear of that lion is now a fear that means that you are protected. Does that make sense? So you attribute power to God, and that's what the fear of God is. In fact, Jesus defines uh, the fear of God as worship of God. Worship of God. When the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he said, all these things, all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, said, away, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. That's Matthew 4, 9 through 10. 
Now, if you go back and look at the scripture that Jesus was quoting, he was quoting Deuteronomy 6.13 that says, you shall fear the Lord your God. So Jesus translates fear the Lord as worshiping God. Okay? Um, So Jesus defined fear as worship. So what that means is when you fear something, when you are attributing power to something, you don't need to beat yourself up. You don't need to worry, oh, the enemy's getting, what's wrong with me? I don't have enough faith. I, 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 okay? You don't have to beat yourself up. You just have to realize I'm attributing power to that thing. Sometimes saying that out loud in itself is something that will dispel some really strange fears that we have, okay? This may or may not be reasonable. How many of you know that Indiana Jones attributes lots of power to stinks? <laughs> So if you have like inordinate fear, like, oh, I'm just so afraid of clowns, you know, or whatever, then it's possible that the enemy's gotten in there and he's got his finger on there and it's like empowered by something demonic. Maybe your thought process need rewiring. Maybe you got a process with the Lord. It's probably forgiveness involved with something that happened. But um, for the most part, um, it's okay to attribute power to things as long as you are attributing the most power to God. In other words, fear God the most. To deny natural fear-type things power does not actually equal faith. Does that make sense? Okay. So if I get a ginormous bill in the mail and someone is suing me for $100,000, and I'm like, meh, that's not faith. Okay. I can attribute some power to that. Okay. In the natural, someone's suing me for hundred grand. I can attribute power for that to have some kind of impact on my life. Okay, that's actually okay. I don't need to beat myself up that I'm gonna process through that. The difference is, is what do I do with the fact that I'm attributing power to that? I need to take that to the Lord and I want to attribute more power to Jesus and more power to God that he has the ability to help me out of that situation, help me through that situation, that he's gonna do something miraculous. My fear is in God first and foremost and that's what allows me to relax about the things that may or may not have power in my life. Does this make sense? (laughs) The pursuit of trying to stop feeling the feeling of fear is futile. Stop thinking about a pink elephant right now. Stop thinking about a pink elephant. Stop thinking about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about that pink elephant. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. It's futile. You can't. Okay? It's the same way with our thoughts. Okay? If you have a bad thought, if you have a fearful thought, oh my gosh, I got this thing in the mail, 100 grand. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ah, 100 grand. Ah, my, my finances, I'm going to have to claim bankruptcy and I'm going to lose my house. And ah, you know, all the things start running, 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 running. For someone to look at you and say, stop that. (laughs) How many of you are like, thank you so much. Oh, I'm done worrying about that. It's kind of silly. It would actually be kind of stupid to be like, oh, meh, I'm not going to worry about it. Okay? It actually doesn't give God glory. Okay? It's like, hey, that thing actually did have power, but God is so much bigger and so much more powerful. So when we have thoughts that we want to replace or we have these fears or whatever, you have to replace them with the superior thought. 
Does that make sense? Um, it's funny, the Lord gave me a dream last night. Jill was in it. And we were talking about Dr. Caroline Leaf, and this is all stuff I hadn't even processed for the marriage, uh, for the marriage, for the message. And, um, and we were talking about how, like, when you have a bad thought or a toxic thought, it actually creates something in your brain. Do you guys know this? Have you heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf? So there is actual a physical manifestation in your brain when you have a negative thought that looks like this horrible, sick, nasty tree, and it has these little thorns on it, and it actually releases messages to uh, cells in your body telling it to get sick, okay? Um, telling it all kinds of horrible things, okay? And so you actually can't just uncreate that thing. The way that you get rid of that bad tree, that physical manifestation in your brain, is that you have to replace it with a superior thought, so you have to come in. So for example, I'm in fear of this whatever, whatever, doctor's report. And I've thought and I've thought about it and here's all these nasty thorns forming and now my body's starting to respond to what my thoughts are saying, okay? To get rid of that thought, it doesn't work to just be like, well, just stop it because that thought, that little synapse thing is still there. Okay, what we want to do is we want to say, okay, but God, you are bigger. What does your word say? What are the promises in the word? Your promises never fail. And I'm going to meditate that and meditate on that. And the more I meditate on it, it destroys the bad tree. It has to be replaced. Does this make sense? So do you see the problem when we talk to Christians and we say, stop fearing? Just stop it. It's like, it doesn't matter because the little synapses are already there. Does that make sense? Don't you love when science proves out the Bible? right? Okay. It's not enough to just say, well, stop fearing. You're not a strong Christian if you fear. No, it's, that's human life. <laughs> it's like, okay, you might experience fear. And some of that fear actually can be wisdom, but there's a superior wisdom and it's God's wisdom and it's his power and his ability to come and change reality. Does that make sense? So you can have a healthy fear of the depths of the ocean. How many of you know that we should probably respect that when we're on the ocean? Yes, that's actually a form of wisdom, okay, that I don't want to treat that with disrespect. It's okay to fear that the depths of the ocean are down there and that has power to impact my life, okay? But the superior wisdom is that if Jesus is calling me to, I can walk on that water. Does that make sense? Okay, it's a matter of replacing these things instead of, oh, just stop it. Amen? Amen. Focus on attributing more power to God and expectantly look to him to provide what you need. Ezekiel, in the valley of the dry bones, God says, what do you see? And Ezekiel says, I see dry bones. Did God rebuke Ezekiel for seeing dry bones? No, because <laughs> they were dry bones, okay? It's okay to see something and be like, wow, that's a situation. I'm attributing power to that situation. Like, I, I really, that looks like a really dead situation, okay? God actually doesn't rebuke him. The question is, do you believe these dry bones can live? Okay? Can you, can you believe that the dry bones can live only by the power of God? In 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17, um, this is um, Elisha and his servant. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. So he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we to do? 
Do not be afraid, Elisha answered, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Okay? He didn't say, stop attributing power to that army over there that's surrounding, surrounding us. Like, that would just be stupid, right? Like, stop that. Who cares that there's an army surrounding us? No, he says, you need to open your spiritual eyes and attribute more power to what is going on in the supernatural realm. Does this make sense? So can I submit to you that some of the things that we're fearing are not because of what we see. It's because of what we don't see. Because of what we don't see with our physical eyes. And that's where um, I have a huge passion for people to um, raise their spiritual intelligence. Um, to understand that there's so much more than just the logical and just the physical realm. There, we are interacting with the spirit constantly. Like, we, we have no idea, like, how many agreements we're making with the enemy all the time, how many times we're partnering with the Lord, how many times angels are helping us, and, you know, different things are impacting eternity. Like, can you imagine, like, we get to impact an eternity. It's amazing, okay? Uh, so I just have a huge passion for people to understand and to raise their spiritual IQ. Um, a, a lot of, um, yeah, people need spiritual intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another great verse. Let's put up Psalm 67, 7. Psalm 67, 7 says, God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Oh, that's a good verse. God wants to bless you. Why? Because then onlookers will attribute power to God. Because onlookers will attribute power to God. So should you feel bad if God blesses you? Of course not. God wants you to be blessed because then it shows, like, wow, like God has power. People are like, wow, God has power. That's also why we want to move into the supernatural things. That's why we pray for healing. That's why we're praying for signs and wonders and miracles because that is what puts the fear of God on people. In other words, that's what causes people to attribute power to God, that he's not just someone that existed thousands of years ago that's telling us how to be a good person. Amen? That he's real, he's powerful, he's right now, he's in our lives, resurrection power. Amen? Because people will attribute power to him. Okay, so let's talk about um, 1 John 4.18. Let's put that up on the screen. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Okay, now here's the other mind grenade that I came across that I was nerding out on, okay? Um, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. The way I have always translated that for myself is that you shouldn't fear if you have enough love because the spirit of fear gets cast out like a devil when there's love present, okay? Um, and I went and studied it out and that's actually not what it's saying. Okay, when it says cast, that is the Greek word balo, B-A-L-L-O, and it means to throw or let go of a thing without caring where it falls. Okay, to give over your care about something, no matter what the result, to pour out or to throw away. Okay, if it were saying cast out, as in cast out a demon, 
That word is always ekbalo, E-K-B-A-L-L-O. And that means to drive out, to expel, to thrust out, to send away. It involves violence, um, to flush like excrement. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) There's a good picture when you're casting out the devil, okay? To flush like excrement, to banish, to compel one to depart through stern language, to force out, um, to force out something that is opposing that force, um, to tear out and to reject with contempt. Okay, so that's the word that's used for casting out a demon. The word that's used in this scripture means I actually don't care about this thing anymore, so I'm I don't care where it goes. Does this make sense? The word for fear in that scripture is phobos. What does that mean? Phobos is not a demon to cast out. Phobos is not a demon to cast out. So perfect love causes us to let go of a fear that we have. We're attributing power to something, but when love comes in, we let go of that because now we're attributing power to something higher. Does this make sense? Without caring where that fear falls because we have something superior to hang on to. Whatever we're attributing power to, we give over our care, we throw it away because we have perfect love to hang on to. Does this make sense? Okay. So sometimes we're seeing demons where there aren't demons. Sometimes we're seeing demons where there aren't demons. Okay. The word perfect in that scripture means mature, complete, not lacking moral character, of full age, perfect, finished, not lacking any integrity or virtue. So it's not just love that casts out fear. It's perfect love that casts out fear. Perfect love that casts out fear. Because fear involves torment or punishment or penalty. Okay? So in fearing things like fearing the heights at the Grand Canyon, my fear is there because I'm attributing power to the fact that there is a penalty, there is a cost to pay if I don't respect those heights. I'm going to splat a mile down, right? I'm probably going to pass out on the way, (laughs) okay? Um, There's a cost to pay. There's a penalty. So that's why I'm having that fear, okay? With God's love, how many of you know that God's love is perfect and mature, and it's not lacking anything? It's not lacking any virtue, nothing. And God comes in, and he says, hey, there is no penalty for you to pay. There is no punishment. I paid it myself, Okay, so that perfect love comes in, and when that kind of love comes in, we take the things that we're attributing power to, and we're like, meh. That's what that scripture is saying. Does this make sense? Okay. Perfect love, mature love can come in, and God can say, I'll protect you from that, so we don't have to fear that thing. So when we come to God with our fears, even if we're fearing the Lord in a negative way that causes us to move away from him, he can actually come in with perfect love and say, there's no penalty for you to pay. He casts out any fear that we have of punishment or penalty. So perfect love casts out fear. In that mature love, mature love does not ignore things that need to be brought up. Mature, perfect love does not ignore things that need to be brought up. So God's perfect love will bring to the surface things that we're pushing down that harm us. Okay? 
Perfect love involves not neglecting the things that harm us, okay? How many of you know if someone is bullying my son and I'm just like, oh, honey, I love you. I love you. I love you, okay? And I'm not doing anything to stop the bullies. How many of you know that he's not going to cast his fear away, right? Because I'm just like, I love you. That's actually not a mature love, okay? I'm just saying something, but it's not going to go down deep in his heart because it's lacking virtue, Because a virtuous love will stand up to the bullies and be like, no, not my son. We'll protect him and then calm his fear. Does this make sense? And then say, hey, I am here for you so you can cast that fear away from you because I'm here to protect you. Does this make sense? Perfect love casts out fear, okay? Even if that means correcting my son for ways that he's hurting himself, Okay? Even if that means correcting my son for ways that he's hurting my, himself, there can come correction and discipline from the Lord because that's what mature, perfect love looks like. It doesn't hide. Okay? It doesn't hide. It's not afraid to offend you. Okay? Perfect, mature love is not going to leave you in the pain that you're in. It's not going to leave you on the path of harm's way. Does this make sense? In relationship, the more mature my love is, where people know that I will love them and tell them the truth, that actually causes them to cast fear away from them because they don't have to guess what I'm thinking. Does this make sense? I'm not withholding anything from them. My love is mature and it's not lacking integrity. It's not lacking virtue. Does this make sense? It's not lacking moral character. Abusive relationships. Love does not cast out fear. Hey, I'm going to keep violating you and violating you, but as long as I tell you I love you or as long as you have enough love for me, then that will cast out your fear. Nope. (laughs) That's not how it works. Okay? Perfect, mature love seeks to understand. It's not lacking virtue. It's not lacking integrity. And when we love like this, that's what causes people to let go their fear and say, I don't care where this fear goes. I don't need to hang on to that. Make sense? So here's an example. Okay, here's a wife. Hey, I'm attributing power to other women around you. I'm thinking that they have the power to steal you away from me. Okay? So the husband's response is, oh my gosh, that is so stupid. What are you, insecure? (laughs) You know I love you. Okay, is that mature love? Is that going to help her calm her fears and cast her fears away? No. Uh -uh. Perfect love, mature love will. Okay, Uh, here's a better response. I love you so much and I'm so captivated by you. I don't want you to attribute power to that. I'm mature enough to know that I need to manage my internal world and stay away from temptations because I don't ever want to put myself in a position that could be dangerous to you or to our connection. Our connection is my number one priority. How many of you know that that could cause that person to say, you know what, I don't need this fear that I'm hanging on to? Yes? All right. How's that Prince Charming, right? (laughs) Guys, take notes. (laughs) That is the kind of mature love that will come in and cause someone to let go of their fear. But here's what we do instead. You're being insecure. I cast that devil of fear out of you. Okay? That's not what that scripture is saying. Okay? 
mature love, perfect love. The only way we can have that to give is to get it from Jesus. Okay, the, the very next verse to that, 1 John four nineteen says, we love because he loved us first. Okay, so you have to receive that kind of love from Jesus. And when you've received that love from Jesus, then you'll be able to give it out. Okay, but do you see how we're fighting spiritual battles sometimes that ne- aren't necessarily spiritual? Make sense? Okay. Now, ultimately, that wife needs to attribute more power to God in her life than she does to her husband to know that no matter what, she's always going to be okay. That's always our first and foremost. We fear God above all things. We attribute the most power to God. Okay? Now, here's an example of a husband. Okay? Hey, I'm attributing power to our struggling finances right now, and I feel that they have the ability to make you stop respecting me. Okay? Now, here's the wife's response. Don't worry, the finances will be all right. Just cast that fear out. (laughs) Does that address it? No, that's not going to cast out his fear. Here's a better response. I know that you're an amazing man who I respect so much. I don't want you to attribute power to that. Even if we lost the house, even if we lost all our savings, I would be happy and proud to be your wife. And I know that it would just be for a season anyway, because I know that you're capable, you're a hard worker, and I trust you. And our connection is my number one priority. How many of you can feel that that would cause the husband to cast fear away and just be like, you know what? I don't need to hang on to that because I'm going to attribute more power to, the, to our love, to our connection. Does this make sense? Okay. We have to receive that kind of love from Jesus first, mature love. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does that mean? <laughs> it's really hard to submit to each other. Married couples, how many of you just, it's so easy to submit to one another, right? Okay. Oh, this church is full of liars. (laughs) So easy, right? Okay. It says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Why? Why in the fear of the Lord? Because if you're attributing power to God above all things, that's what gives you the reassurance that you can actually submit to someone else. Okay, and if you're both submitting to God first and foremost and both giving God all the power, then it's really awesome. Amen? That's when things are really flowing and that's when submitting is easy, right? Okay? (laughs) Husbands, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. It's really easy to submit to a dead guy. (laughs) Put it that way. A fully submitted person, okay? On both ends, we both have to do our part. Amen? Okay. Fear of man versus fear of God. Fear of man says, but what if they, but what will they think, but I don't know, and that's going to fall more in the category of timidity, cowardice, just like where, where Paul is saying, hey, stir up the gifts, don't be timid, don't shrink back, okay? Um, what we want to do with the fear of man is that we want to attribute more power to God and his ability to do what he says he's going to do. Does this make sense? So if I'm shrinking back and I'm like, if I witness to those people and they reject me, Okay, then what's going to happen? And now I'm running this imaginary play-by-play of what's going to happen, my worst fear or whatever. I'm meditating on that. But I'm not attributing power to God that he actually wants to meet them where they're at, that he might have a word in due season. He might have given them a dream last night that has your face in it. (laughs) We want to attribute more power to God and his ability and the fact that he wants to meet that person. Does this make sense? Attribute more power to God. 
Fear of God instead of fear of man. If God is saying to do something, we don't have to take a public opinion poll before we act on it. Amen? And that can be hard to do. Yeah? I had an encounter with the Lord um, a little over a year ago um, where I shook on the floor all night long and I kept shaking for uh, longer than a 24 period, 24 hour period. Um, in that time period, when I'm shaking on the floor, I don't have control over my body. The Lord is bringing things before my face and before my mind's eye and just different things and stuff. And basically what he did is he imparted to me um, the fear of the Lord in, in the best way. It's like, it's like I can attribute so much power to him because everything that was placed before my face, he's like, I've got this. This is actually safer in my hands. He placed like each one of my child's faces before me. He placed the church before me, all these different things. And it was like, he just gave me this grace to say, God, I want more of you at any cost. And before that night, I didn't dare say that because I didn't fully trust God. And I was like, if I say more of you at any cost, I don't know what that means. I don't know what you could take from me, you know, that kind of thing. And he just poured out this encounter and he just gave me the grace to understand what that means, that he seriously is so good, that I really, really can trust him, that he has the best things in mind. His wisdom is the highest wisdom. And my kids are his kids anyway. Like they're better off in his hands than in mine. Does that make sense? And so God is so good. He just poured out um, a grace um, for me to fully understand that and for me to receive that. Um, and so that's something that kind of solidified something for me um, with this church is that we are going to move into the supernatural even if people leave or get freaked out. We're going to move in the supernatural. And I'm, when I talk about the supernatural, I'm talking about accessing through the gate of Jesus. We're going to move into the supernatural that is life, everything that Jesus paid for, okay? Even if people leave or even if they get freaked out. Now, we're going to pastor them. We're going to pastor. We're not going to be like, oh, you don't get it. Get out of here. We're going to pastor people through things, but we're not going to bow to them. Okay, and it's because just it's this the grace that he poured out. This is not even like, oh, because we're so smart and we're so whatever. No, because he gave me encounter that, you know, <laughs> I was completely out of control. It was like, it was insane. It's like, this is the power of God. Like when you're under the power of God, like there's nothing that you can do. And you understand how powerful that he is. You understand how powerful he is and also how benevolent he is at the same time. Like, ultimate power, ultimate love, and benevolence. Perfect love. And then you get to cast any fears away that you have. Just like, I don't need that because you are so big and you're so awesome. Amen. We're going to move in the supernatural no matter what. That's just the mandate on this house and, and on our lives. Um, we will pastor people, but we won't bow to people. Why? Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. The fear of man can look a lot like wisdom, but it's not. There is a higher wisdom, and that's the wisdom of God. So fear does not always originate with the enemy. Um, it's not always bad. So what do we do with it? Fear God more. Fear God more. 
Praise him, magnify him. That's why we do that. That's why we come together and we just lift up his name and we talk about how great he is. What are we doing? We're taking any negative thoughts we have and we're meditating on the power of Jesus instead. We're remembering the verses that describe how omnipotent he is, how omnipresent he is. We're meditating on everything that Jesus did, how huge, how wonderful, how deep is his love, all these things. We're magnifying the Lord, what are we doing? We're worshiping him and we're attributing power to God when we praise him. The more we can do that, the more we can stay in that awareness of how big he is, the more we can continually attribute power to him, the more we will be known as fearless. Does this make sense? Attribute power to God. So what are you telling me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo, I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Take fears to him and ask him to open your spiritual eyes. You have to have your eyes opened beyond the reality that we see. You have to be awakened from the matrix. (laughs) Okay? Because we are actually from another realm. Okay? It's okay to have a healthy respect for the depths of the ocean, but also we're from another realm and we can walk on that ocean. Amen. Take your fears to him and ask him to open your spiritual eyes. With David and Goliath, David had no fear because he attributed more power to God than he did to Goliath. He actually saw things clearly in the spirit. In the natural, it looks like, well, it's obvious that Goliath is going to win. But that's actually not wisdom. There's a superior wisdom that David is actually way more big in the spirit. Make sense? And Goliath was coming against the living God. Now, here's the truth about the devil. And here's the truth about your enemy. Goliath was fully armed with an armor bearer holding a shield in front of him. So here's itty-bitty little David, 14 years old, and here's giant nine-foot Goliath with all his armor on, a huge shield, and he's got a guy in front of him holding a shield as well to meet little bitty 14-year-old David. Who is the one that is more intimidated? Amen? And then he tries to use intimidation tactics with David. He's trying to get in his head, and he's like, I'm gonna this to you, and I'm gonna da-da-da, and he's trying to intimidate him. Okay, when I go to arm wrestle my son, Ethan, do you think that I'm using intimidation tactics with him? Probably not. Why? Because I know that I'm going to beat him, right? It's like, this is obvious. Like, I'm, I'm so going to win. So I don't actually need to get in his head to try and take him down. Does this make sense? So when the enemy is trying to intimidate you, I want you to receive this truth, that the enemy is actually intimidated by your success. Okay? The enemy is actually intimidated by you. Okay? So, if you're in an addiction, don't attribute more power to that addiction than you are attributing power to God to help you get out of that addiction. Does this make sense? Don't fear your broken past. Attribute more power to God to get you past all that stuff. Amen? Don't worship your problems. I may experience fear, but I am no longer a slave to it. Does this make sense? I'm no longer a slave of fear. I fear God more. 
So here's a life hack to overcoming fear. And this is a quote by Bill Johnson that I love. He says, do you ever focus on something and think over and over and over about it and you're like up all night and you're just like, ah, oh, this, this problem is just like running you at night? Any, any of you ever experienced that? He says, good, then you know how to meditate. <laughs> now you just need to change the subject, okay? Just change the subject. You know how to meditate. So now you become more aware of his presence. You magnify him. Talk about how great he is. Turn on praise music, but meditate on that praise music. It's like, wow, God is so big. He's so vast. He's so amazing. His love is so perfect. Amen. Become more aware of his presence and his superior kingdom reality than of anything else. So um, let's just all close our eyes. This is, this is a word that I heard the Lord saying um, to all of you. And so I just want to um, just speak this over you. So I hear the Lord saying, I am with you. I am bigger and I am able. The fear you have isn't because of what you see, but because of what you don't see. You don't see the army of God being so much bigger. You don't see my love as perfect, finished, mature, and not lacking any virtue. So ask me to open your spiritual eyes and you will be known as fearless. Get ready to live. So Jesus, we just come before you and we just say, yes, Lord, we're asking you to open our spiritual eyes right now. Lord, I ask you in any situation where we're experiencing fear, any situation where we're experiencing trepidation, Lord, that you would open our spiritual eyes. Even right now in this moment, I ask that you would give pictures to people, that you would give strategies, that you would give words, and that you'd pour out your spirit, Lord, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see that you're the God that parts the Red Sea when it looks like there's no other way out. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And we just say, God, you are so big. You are so powerful. You are everything. You're creator of the heavens and the earth. And you're with us. And we just thank you, Lord, for your perfect love. I ask that you would just impart a spirit of your perfect love, that you would impart revelation of how perfect your love is that it is not lacking anything, that there is no punishment attached, that there's no torment, that there's no penalty attached because you've already paid it all. So we just receive the fact that you perfectly love us in a mature way, in a way that's not ignoring problems, in a way that's not just abandoning us when bad things are happening, God. I thank you, Father, that your love is perfect. I ask that you would just uh, impart that, just download it into our spirits, into our hearts, into our minds, Lord, that you would give us a grace to just cast away the things that we've been attributing power to because you are so much more powerful. And we just thank you for that. And I ask, Lord, that you would impart a spirit of the fear of the Lord in the best way possible, Lord, that we would attribute the most power to you, Jesus. Not in a fear that causes us to run from you, but in a fear that causes us to run to you because you are our protector. And we just thank you so much for it, Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. We love you so much, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.